Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Hi, I'm Justin. Jay Wall, if you're nasty. Oh, oh. <laughs> Janet Jackson reference right off the bat. I love it, man. Now you're talking my language. What's going on, man? She's How the, we doing? She's the best. Yeah, Truly absolutely the best. The best. Love well, Janet Jackson. All agreed. For you music heads out there, if you're if you're Janet Jackson fans, yeah, um, there's a song she came out with mm. that is definitely stolen from Sonic. Sonic Two. Um, Sonic the Hamburger Place or Sonic the Video Game? The Sonic. Hedgehog. I was actually thinking Sonic Youth, and I was like, I got to hear this. Oh, but sorry. I'm, I, Hedgehog. I'm Hedgehog. still very intrigued at the Sonic the Hedgehog Janet Jackson mashup potential. Sonic the Hamburger just <laughs> spins really fast right into your mouth. It's funny, too, because when you start, started saying Sonic the Hamburger, I was kind of like, is, this is a... Awesome joke. Like, <laughs> I love this. Yeah, I just I freestyle awesome jokes all day, bro. So a lot, not a lot of people know this, but uh, Michael Jackson actually worked on the Sonic soundtrack for oh, the game two and three. Oh yeah, that's why kids love it. You know, so, so that hit she came out with uh, "Everywhere You Go, Every Smile I See." I know you want Yeah, there was a, there was a yeah, melody. Yeah. I there, know it too. I'm not going to sing it. Though. Smiling it's back at me. Yeah, so that was like taken from a Sonic game. Wow. Record execs. And publishers kind of like don't want to bring that up. Yeah, just forgot about it yeah, because it's like, yeah. well, we we know you stole it because your brother wrote it here. <laughs> but at, <laughs> at that point, it could just be in the, in the genetics. It's just some natural harmony that they, you know, it could be from an old song they sang as kids. Who knows? At that I'll, point, I'll play it to you off camera. Well, I urge our listeners to just check that out. You can find YouTube videos where Wait, it compares Tom, the two. Is it's that really why I run so fast every time that song comes on? It's a I great mean, workout song. All I'm saying is, you know, me and my dad hum the same song. You know, maybe I didn't steal it from him. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's Maybelline. I don't oh, know. I'm not, Look. I'm, I'm not discrediting anyone either way. I just think it's an interesting thing that uh, yeah. you know there was yeah. a bit of this overlap. That uh, and not a lot of people know that Michael Jackson worked on the Sonic thing. So anyway, yeah. let's get I'm back gonna to the actually shake Justin's hand in agreement sure. on Janet Jackson. This doesn't oh. happen often. Oh we agree God. on music, <laughs> and I'm glad Janet brought us together. I should bring in my uh, my fucking nasty vinyl. Now speaking of a nasty vinyl, mm. I had a great weekend. Excellent. Didn't work Saturday. Whipped out the old vinyl, hooked up. My record player is always hooked up, but you know it's a matter of like taking the cover off, and that's there's usually some like a notebook on top of it or some a coffee mug. So I got you know I got to dust it off. But yeah, I listened to some sick vinyl this weekend. Gonna tell you about one particular selection at the end when we do the reviews and all that. Um, it was great. One particular record too. Uh, I listened to. We're gonna we're gonna talk to somebody tonight, man. But first, how was your weekend? My weekend was quiet. Uh, I hung out, just drank a couple beers on the nights, you know. Uh, one you okay? Thing, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. everything's good. I've okay. been playing a, right. a video game called Blasphemous. All right. Which is a, what you would call a Metroidvania style. Yeah. Which is Metro, um, Metroid Prime and Castlevania kind of giant map side scroller. Interesting. Uh, extremely metal imagery. Okay. We have to do yeah, a video good. game. Uh, metal adjacent episode. Yes, uh, great soon. idea, man. Soon. So I'm throwing it out there, and I'll save like a review and all that stuff for that episode because I th it's just one of the most metal games I've ever seen. It's <clears throat> disgusting, beautiful. A lot of the imagery that we see on the albums that we like, right there in a game. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm I, up. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Another yeah. thing I'm intrigued about: Justin's weekend. Wow. Segway. <laughs> really putting me on the spot right now. <laughs> I messed up the little segue uh, with my weekend in the vinyl, so I wanted to really just hit, hammer you home with that one. Uh, my weekend was uh, pretty uneventful, except for when I watched Aquaman, which was uh, which was great. Waterboy, if you will. Okay. Um, Waterboy, the sequel. Waterboy, a great movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, as you will. Um, I had my reservations going into the into this movie, you know, which okay. I, was, I went into it on my couch uh, by actively <laughs> turning the channel to where it was just starting. Um, but then I, I realized, like, this movie is completely misunderstood. Oh um, boy, this movie is it, it's about bringing the ocean world and the land world together. The, the two, the two, you know, the alleged peoples of the bottom of the ocean, okay, and the, the very real peoples on on land. We we, we are some of them. We're here right now. Uh, I'm not is... going to defend my Atlantean conspiracy theories that I believe in allegedly right now. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a battle for um, surf and turf acceptance. Okay. And uh, if anybody has gotten hungry and been slightly, um, you know, not able to to make a definitive decision on what they want to eat, surf and turf is a great option. And I don't think it's really pushed enough in schools today. You know, we can get into that at a later time. But listen, everything in life is surf and turf. You know, mm. we're all made of, uh, you know, seventy five percent water, and then you know, that's the surf. Eighty percent, no? Well, you know. Uh, Pick your high percentages as you will. I've seen both of those numbers, so I can't. Really. I I'm not a mathematician. I right? haven't I'm drank a human. as much water today, so I might be 75 while you're, while uh -huh. you're on the 80 percent. But you know, the other uh, the other low percentage point that's turf. So surf and turf, guys. Um, as somebody who goes fishing regularly, you're pulling up my heartstrings right now. I love it. So I love it. Aquaman, uh, not as bad as you think. Jason Momoa, mimosa. I, it's a good drink. I might need a mimosa to get it's through the movie. Guy. I, I usually go to the DC movies with a little bit more of an open mind than the Marvel movies. It, my my personal uh, movie palette, my preference, I tend to prefer some of the DC movies. I haven't seen the Joker yet either, man. I heard good things. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll you know we'll talk about. We'll get that. about. Oh oh, also a uh, cricket jumped out of the pack of cigarettes onto my face. So uh, Halloween. Is Whoa. Right. Um, <laughs> Whoa. And uh, yeah, so who's on the uh, who we got calling in today? What we got today? Okay, speaking of a cricket jumping onto your face from a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. A man who jumped onto the malignancy scene from a pack of Mortal Decay several years back. <laughs> we got all right. Listen, I'll accept it. Yeah, yeah, it works. Let's go. All right, we have uh, no. Really, all jokes aside, great guy. We have esteemed bass player Monty Mukherjee on the uh, podcast tonight. We're gonna call him up in a few minutes to talk to him about his history playing bass in death metal bands such as Malignancy, Mortal Decay, Poltergeist. Uh, and also um, his stint in the band Krator with John Longstreth from Origin and what's going on with that. We're going to talk to him all about it, talk gear and all that shit, tough guy. Let me get him on the phone. Monty? Hey. 
Hey, it's Will. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, man. We're good. All right, can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. All right, awesome, man. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to introduce you to the other uh, two hosts of the podcast real quick. This is Tom over here. Hey, Monty. Hey, Tom. And this is Justin over here. Hey, bud. How's it going? Hey. Hey, Justin. So getting in, Monty, are you ready if I just kind of bust out some questions like I normally do, man? Sure. Yep. Awesome, man. Um, Where are you from originally, Monty? So I grew up in, uh, guys, in that, it's, it's actually a town called Springfield. So it's in, um, it's it's suburban Philadelphia. Okay. So, so that's that's where I grew up. Uh, I'm actually, I guess, uh, I'm an immigrant, first generation immigrant from India. So my parents were not creative. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At all. <laughs> uh, what, is that the stereotype? I don't know, man. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, so I guess pretty much the way I was brought up was that uh, you you gotta study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get you gotta you got study to make it because um, you know when you're a first generation, um, you're you're new to a country, you're new to America, and uh, you you have to make it basically. You have yeah. To, you, know, yeah. you have to make it to get a good job and you know uh, you know get the house and whatnot. So so I, I guess like my parents were really strict on studies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess like I always really liked music. My, my mom liked music a lot, but it was Indian music, which I wasn't really into. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess what kind of changed my life, and probably like most like kids, like I guess you know, like people my age, was like MTV. <laughs> so when uh, MTV, yeah, when, it, when that came out in like 1980, it was. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was. I mean, it was such a variety of music, and. Um, and I, I guess from that, I just really like music. I, I got I got a Casio. <laughs> I, I, I did all the cheesy '80s things that kids do. I did it all. <laughs> so you put the little drum loops on and kind of play your own progressions and hum your own melodies. Yeah, yeah, every, yeah. yeah. New wave project. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so a Casio keyboard was that your first instrument? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty much. That was, yeah, that was it. It was, it was red. That's how, all I remember. <laughs> how old were you at that point? Um, with the Casio, I think I was probably like, uh, that's a good question. Maybe like eight or nine, I'm guessing. Okay, any lessons or anything? No, no, no lessons. Okay, so just kind of just kind of like taught yourself. Did, did you eventually go on to take music lessons when you got older? Or like, like how does, um, how does the, the string instruments come in? Yes, so, so basically, um, I started playing bass, I guess, around uh, when I was, like, uh, ninth grade, so I started high school, mm-hmm. and uh, I took lessons at a nearby guitar store. Uh, they actually had, like, um, they had, like, teachers there, and, um, yeah, they had a bass teacher there, and then I was, just, so I took lessons pretty much all through high school at the same guitar store with the same teacher. So I mean that that would imply that your parents were at least open to the idea of you uh, playing music, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they definitely liked that I had, I guess. I mean, um, some like other interests because uh, yeah, sports was not happening. <laughs> I was I was terrible at sports. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, yeah, me, me too, me too, man. Uh, I, I, that, death, death metal came way before athletics in, in my high school experience too, man. Um, so what is what is ninth grade Monty listening to? Oh, it was yeah, it was all thrash metal. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> nice. yeah, it was yeah, it was the yeah, the, yeah, the Megadeth, Metallica. Because that was when um, Justice came out. 
Okay. And um, you know, I was you know, Anthrax, uh, Maiden. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much all the. It was you know the I guess like, I guess the big four, big. Uh, I don't know what people. You know, you know, Overkill, Exodus. You know, all, you know all the the bands that got really big in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. That's what I was really into. And and how how do your parents uh, receive the heavy metal? So I, I think I think it was uh, <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of funny. Um, I think like they they probably didn't really understand it. Like as as immigrant parents, like mm-hmm. you don't really you kind of don't really you try to think you kind of think oh maybe like all kids do this. And um, cause I know like <laughs> I, I grew up in, in a <laughs> I know because like um, I grew up in a Catholic neighborhood, so like most of my friends that I grew up with were were Catholic. And like you know, I, I remember like my friends saying like they'd have to like hide like their Slayer tapes or like you know or their Slayer shirts, and I never really like had that problem. So I guess my parents just didn't really like get it. So they're like, oh whatever. And it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually uh, we had, we inter- we've had Chris Basile from Pyrexia on the show several times. And I think the first time we had him, he related the story about how uh, the cover of, if you know the cover of Sermon of Mockery, Pyrexia's first album with all the demons and all the, the, the right. debauchery, yeah, that caused kind of a rift uh, with, you know, with his family and things like that, man, yeah, and, you know, you talk about a Catholic family, he's from like an old school Italian Catholic family, man, and, oh, wow. uh, and you know, I know about that a little bit too with my family, man, yeah, so, um, so what's your, is your first band Ethereal, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was Ethereal. Ethereal. All right, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's that's yeah, my yeah. yeah. It's my bad. My bad. So is that well, is that a high school band? Um, no. So it's actually, um, right. I guess after I guess right when I was in college. Okay. So um, yeah, it was kind of like the, the first band that uh, I guess like people that I, I guess well the guitar player lives in my lives in my neighborhood, and um, actually the same guy that got in trouble for like the having the you know, the, the Slayer shirt and the Slayer. Yes same dude yeah, um yeah. so he moved to another school district and that district had a lot more metalheads there um my my school was more like i don't know kind of like more jocks and um like a lot of alternative kids but like his his school was more metal mm-hmm. so the friends that he had made in high school kind of like formed their own band and then um which is a serial and then uh, i i joined like later on i i joined before the demo came out Okay, and uh, so so then backing up, like, do you start going to sh- to local shows uh, in high school, or like like what? Tell me about maybe some of your early concert experiences or show experiences, if that was in your teenage years. So for me, it was really mostly in college. Uh, I, I went okay. I went to Penn State. Okay. So uh, I I mostly did like a lot of punk shows. Um, it was just it was just easier because they were like really cheap. Um, it was always like kids that I knew in class, and um, it was just kind of, it's kind, of, it's kind of like my first, I guess, community. Because I, I went to college in Penn State, I went away from like my my hometown, so it's like Penn State was like like you know like three and a half hours from where I grew up. So for me, there was like a whole new like um, experience. It was like my first like metal community, I guess. Monty on the loose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so tell me about the punk scene at Penn State. What is this? The late nineties, we're in. Uh, actually, early nineties. Um, early nineties. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it was. Um. Yeah. It was just you know t- typical 
you know people that can't really play that well uh, like like way too loud um, but it was fun it was it was it was really fun it was mostly like um a lot of basement shows um a lot of like churches that have like a you know like a basement like in a church uh some like frat houses so it was actually like it was it was really cool i mean it was you know it was free beer i mean it was, it was really fun <laughs> sounds fun man so um yeah. And so then you you join up with Ethereal. Uh, do you guys play out play live a lot? Like what was that what was that band experience like for you? Was, was it you know was was it thorough? Was it only was it like a short experience? Because there's not much information about that band. Right. So 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 what happened was we ended up changing our name to Polter Christ. So so, so with Ethereal there wasn't really much we didn't do we didn't do much stuff except for the demo, and then um, we eventually so, so the 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 name. Polter Christ is kind of like an interesting story. It's actually a, um, a, a agoraphobia song called Polter Christ Entrapment. So we did the move where we asked Gorophobia if we can like name our band Polter Christ, and they said okay. Awesome. So Ethereal wasn't wasn't really a good name, <laughs> so we went with Polter Christ. So it, it's it's the same band. So Ethereal basically became Polter Christ. We, we changed our name to a better name. Basically. A lot of people wouldn't wouldn't even ask. They would just take the name. <laughs> they would take the word. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. got, got it validated. That's good, man. Yeah. And um, now, yeah, Poltergeist. I know uh, you guys put out a demo, and you actually uh, got signed to Seasons of Mist, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you put out the well. First, you put out the Unity of Black and Souls demo '99, uh, mm-hmm. and then five yeah. about approximately four or five years later, 2004, the Engulfed by the Swarm album came out on. Uh, Se- I always mispronounce the name of this label. Is it Seasons of Mist? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, all right. I'm 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 always worried about saying the wrong thing on the podcast here, and then somebody hit right. me up on Facebook later, reminding me I did that. <laughs> all right. But um, uh, interesting band, man. Like, uh, you know, musically very interesting band. Kind of. I don't want to use that technical word because sometimes with people that implies nowadays that it's like neoclassical symphonic stuff. Or it was, it's, it's definitely got a progressive mm-hmm. kind of quality to it. Yeah. But still stays right. very death metal. Physics. A lot of experimental stuff on that. Experimental right? is a good word, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, for right. death metal, absolutely. Yes. So, so what was what was the experience with Poltergeist, right? I mean, I know the band has a long history. Uh, you were only around for that one album, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so pretty much, I probably like left after the that album came out. So, um, it, it was it was actually a great time in my life. It was kind of like um, I, was, I was really young. We're all really young. And um, we were kind of, like, I guess, like the. We, we were the. It was kind of like us and Mortal Decay were like the the two bands in the Philly area mm-hmm. that like probably did like the most shows. Um, so a lot of times when like a you know like a like a more like a, more of an angel or someone like would you know do like a show because back then like uh, I, I think like the the tour packages weren't that big back then. It'd yeah. be like you know two bands and a bunch of openers. So we'd always lucky enough to be one of the openers. He's either us or Moral Decay, basically. So, um, but no, it was it was fun. We played all the all the cool clubs in Philly, and uh, you know, it was it was a good time. I I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, and then in 2007, you joined Mortal Decay, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what? I mean, there's you know just just looking back, you you played bass obviously on the Blueprint for Blood Splatter, which came out in 2013. So you, you, I guess, I guess you did a, a fair amount of like touring and playing out live with them, and um, and maybe helped write that album, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, so yeah. So when I joined, uh, they probably had like um, they probably had half the songs written, 
and uh, yeah, so, so, so I guess I kind of helped like half the record, and kind of like they did a lot of um, I guess rearranging with the, the older songs. So it, it did take a while for the record to, to get released because there's a lot of um, a lot of rearranging and whatnot, and just and, and plus we also changed drummers, yeah. so that kind of um, you know made the album. But you know, you know, we're, we're really happy with it, you know, and, and, and a different and, and Danny Smith, so we get a different singer. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, like the typical band, you know. Yeah, of course. And one of our very first episodes, we sat, we interviewed uh, Joe Gordon. Um, and he told us all about Mortal Decay's history, including that era of and everything. Great album, I love that album, man. And um, what did you now? I, I know with Mortal Decay, um, they're they're playing out live history is a little spotty sometimes. You know, everyone has day jobs and things like that. Uh, did you did you guys tour with them? Did you tour with them? We, I, I didn't do any tours. No, it was, it was um, I mean, d- definitely festivals. Yeah, uh, maybe some like some some weekend, you know, some weekend warrior stuff like like a, you know like a three day weekend thing. But uh, no, no, uh, no actual tour. No. And and in 2013, you transitioned into malignancy. Yeah, so, so, I, so I, I moved to um, I moved to New York in 2011. Okay. So uh, I, I I joined right. So I joined like the end of 2012, right when Eugenics came out. Did you um, form a relationship with Danny doing that Mortal Decay album, and that's how, you, like, the ball got rolling on that? So, so I guess because like, Mortal Decay and Blinky have been friends for a long time, so uh, I, I, I kind of knew Danny and, and, and Ronnie for years just through Mortal Decay. And, um, and I, I guess, like, when, when, I, when I moved here, uh, I actually had to do like in Yonkers. I, I actually got a job in Yonkers, and actually my my job, which I'm still at right now, is actually near like Ronnie's house. And um, you know, I, I guess a, a year later, you know, Roger had to like he couldn't he had to leave, and um, you know, and they asked me you know, to to be in a band, and that was as as they say, it was history. <laughs> yeah, I mean that sounds like uh, destiny right there, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now malignancy, I mean that's like you tell me, man. Would you classify malignancy as a busy band? That seems like they're out on the road a lot. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, we at least. I mean, we're always playing shows. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, it's it is a bu- it is a busy calendar, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, that's one of the great things about us is that you know we. We do a lot of shows. We'll do we'll do anything. Um, you know, we, we we get along so well, and, and we're good about always playing shows. Because to me, it's like you, you always want to um, you always want to be out there. Mm-hmm. Like the whole like social media thing, and just like you know, you, you want to have your name always like off of the social media feeds, and you know, on flyers and whatnot. So to me, it's very important as a as a band to just you know. Keep keep doing stuff so people still see you on flyers and social media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I sometimes it's it's a I have a little bit of an extremist attitude, but sometimes I feel like a day where I'm not in a studio or rehearsal space or playing live is like a wasted day in terms of being in a band. Right. You know what I mean, man? Right, I, right, you right, just have yeah. that you have that burning inside you. You want to get something done. You know? Exactly. I, I agree. Yeah. So, so you played bass in Mortal Decay about seven years. You transitioned to Malignancy as a bass player, as a musician. What are some of the differences between playing in those two units? Because those are very, 
uh, particular songwriters and particular musicians who have specific styles between the two bands? Right. I think the big difference is that Molo Decay is two guitar players and Linsky is one. So, um, so for me, I typically, I, I mean, even in both bands, I, I just follow the drums. I, I let the guitars do what they gotta do. You know, Molo Decay had like, with, with the two guitar players, he had like the harmony. So sometimes I'd play like, you know, maybe Joe's harmony, you know, while John did the rhythm. Yeah. Um, things like that. So I, I kind of like picked up on some of the harmonies in Moral Decay. Where with um, Lindsay, it's just it's just so crazy. Ronnie's crazy. It's <laughs> better for me to follow the drums and keep like the, the rhythm. Yeah. So Ronnie can shine pretty much. Okay. And, and well, on that now, I have another question based off of that then, because I've seen Malignancy several times over the years. You know, multitude of times really. Uh, but the last several years. Um, sometimes it's Mike Heller playing drums when he's available, and sometimes it's Alex Cohen playing drums. Does that ever like throw you off, or you have to have a different like wait, wait, you know, a different kind of approach? You have to remember which drummer feels it a certain way, or? Yeah, so, so I, I I would say um, Alex is is, is groovier, mm-hmm. so um, I, I kind of have more room in the pocket. I can like I can probably like slap more. Um, with Mike, it's uh, it's it's faster and probably more precise. So with 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 me, like when it comes to like playing fast, it's I don't have to think much. So um, I, I I think with Mike, it's 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 uh, it's kind of like um, it's 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 fast. It's, it's really fast. But like, but once you get it, you, you get it. But I, I think it's the, it's the um, like getting there. Like, like I definitely have to practice a little bit more with Mike. It's just a lot faster. Um, he plays some of the old stuff a little, a little bit faster, so it's kind of adjusting to that. Um, but it's, it's it's really just adjusting to both drummers. And you know, I, I think after a while, once you know, I I get settled, it's, it's all good. You know. Okay. I now I got to nerd out a little bit deeper on that point. Um, when you sure. were in Mortal Decay, you played with Mortal Decay when they were jamming with Justin DePinto. Yes. So yeah. and you also played with Anthony Apri then too, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, is there a difference with those two drummers as a bass player? You know, I wouldn't know. Yes. So, um, so, so Justin was was definitely um, was more grind, mm-hmm. and um, Ipri was probably more. Um, he, he had that kind of like the jazz influence. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely it definitely changed my writing because because um, when I first joined the band. We were writing to Justin, so my my bass lines were a little bit were, were different with Justin. Yeah. But when every joined, things you know, certain parts would change, do certain, you know, and also like certain parts were rewritten when every joined. So I kind of had to change, you know, the the new you know the, the new part or um, the new drum beat or you know maybe you know more times for one riff. So yeah, so it, it definitely changed both with uh, Justin and every. Uh, yeah, no, because I, I, uh, we even commented on it when we did the Joe Gordon episode, how um, both great drummers, but, you know, uh, Justin with obviously a little bit more of a straightforward blast-heavy style that was, like, modern for the time. And like you said, right. a- Anthony with the more jazz influence, kind of like more in, like in the pocket and all that stuff, man. Yeah, that's interesting, right. man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, while, yep. while we're talking for the bass players here, um, what kind of gear are you using lately? So uh, I, I'm actually pretty old school. Uh, I, I like the, uh, the old stuff. So I'm, I'm using a Harky 3500. I've had that head 
since yeah, since like college. That's like my first head. <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I I got it fixed again. I, I had to get a I had to get new tubes in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm using that. I'm using like Going Kruger four by ten, and um, I just use a, a, a Sans amp um, for like the I guess some you know some uh, sound shaping and um, and now because of the intrauterine cannibalism that we're doing it's the 20 year anniversary I'm using the uh, Boss Overdrive panel which is awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that panel <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> I saw you guys at uh, St. Vitus with uh, Pathology and uh, okay yeah your, your bass tone is like it's it's overwhelming it, it's like cool it, oh, it shakes your bones it's it's and it's um yeah, you can tell there's like a, a guitar influence on the distortion level. You know, it's not as uh, it's not as obnoxious of, as like a Napalm Death bass tone, but it's right. It's really crispy. Uh, you don't hear a lot of basses like that. It's cool. You got a Thank good you. tone dialed in, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, on that note too, we talk about your your modern gear. When you first started playing bass, what was your first bass while in ninth grade? Oh, I think it was uh, Ivanez. Uh, this is a road, road something. Um, I, I, all I remember was the the bass player testament had the same bass. <laughs> nice. Road nice. star. I, I don't. I don't remember. I don't. You saw the sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Deep, deep Tesla cut joke. The, the millennial uh, listeners don't get that one, man. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you mentioned that intrauterine cannibalism. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the concept behind that and why you guys uh, re-recorded? I believe that's that's out now on Severed Records, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to? So, um, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so pretty much it's the 20-year anniversary. So um, basically we re-recorded it. Um, yeah, so so basically uh, Ronnie and Mike kind of like, uh, they kind of relearned it a bit. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they they kind of they, they kind of I guess the new recording is kind of more on a click, or like the, you know the, the old recording was more you know I guess more feel, Roger it was more feel and not quite use a click for it so um, yeah, yeah so yeah so we just kind of uh, clicked it out um, we recorded it and then um, yeah it's it's a it's a two CD set so you have the recording and you have the new recording which is um, with myself and Mike. And it's a little bit cleaner, not as like a bass heavy as the, uh, the original. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it seems that people seem to like it. People seem to like both versions. So I'm, I'm happy that it's gotten a good uh, response. It's always cool to hear two different versions uh, of something, man, and um, and kind of right. hear hear like different takes on it, man. I I recently discovered there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with the Turkish band Cenotaph, but there's two different versions of their first album, uh, Puke Genital Pregnancy. Okay. And I recently heard like a version that I hadn't heard, but yeah, both both great versions though, man. Just it's always interesting as a fan to hear uh, different takes on something, man. You know, right? No, definitely, I agree. Um, are you guys like I, I? You know, you obviously just played with Pathology, as Tom said. Is there anything else coming up? Any tours or anything? Um, so our, our next um, our, our next two big shows. So we're doing a Ontario Death Fest okay. on October twenty sixth. That's going to be in Toronto. And then um, November 16th, we're actually doing a show with uh, the Mighty Mortician oh. in uh, Philadelphia. It's their, um, it's their 30th anniversary show. Yes, that's right. I saw that. Yeah, it would only be right for Malignancy to be on that, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm pretty sure that they're playing New York. I 
on on the Friday night, the 15th, mm-hmm. and then uh, we're doing the show in Philly on the 16th, which is Saturday night. Awesome, man. Uh, I mean, speaking of that, that just brought a, a question to my mind then. When you move to Yonkers and um, you join Malignancy, are you kind of like indoctrinated into the uh, that Yonkers death metal scene and that whole NYDM scene? Like, uh, you know, is is that um, is that is that like a, a heavy a heavy part of the local scene up there? Um, it, I'm probably not the best person to answer that. Um, I, I I don't really know because like um, I moved to Harlem, so I'm not really that much in Yonkers, but uh. It's it's interesting to to see like because I know like um, I think in in Ron's apartment uh, or his, his his complex I think um, Steve from Demolition Hammer his mother lives there so it's it's kind of funny seeing Steve you know driving around sometimes when I you know I go see Ronnie huh. um, but it's 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 interesting it's, it's definitely an interesting city that it had so much. You know, good. I mean, yeah, immolation, demolition, hammer. Yes. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, Lindsay, then you know, and then mortician. So it's just. Uh, I guess let me let me put it like this. Maybe this was more what I was getting at. Is uh, there's sure. so much there, like you just mentioned? There's so much history there in that that regional death metal scene from Yonkers. Everyone knows mortician and immolation, obviously, and we've talked uh, you know about some of the older bands on other episodes. Um, what was it like, kind of? Uh, being like uh, get, getting taken into that history as you know joining malignancy man like when you see the uh, the support that malignancy has what's that like I, you know I, I I know that they get a lot of support when they play out you know pretty much everywhere right yeah it's 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 amazing I mean uh, the, the fans are just great like uh, I think like when it comes to people that are in the malignancy they're they're true fans yeah you that's know, what they're, they're not yeah they're you know it's it's not you know they didn't find us in some article or like you know there's no on us, right? I mean, they, 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 you know, they found us somehow. Maybe their friend said, "Hey, I'm sure." Like most Lindsay fans are probably like their friend suggested to them, "Hey, you got to hear this name Lindsay." Then that probably how word of mouth spread. I think for a band like us, I think we're just that underground. So it's kind of it's an honor to be like I guess kind of like a um, a fixture on the underground death metal scene. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible scene, man. And um, we we did obviously do do a whole episode interviewing Danny and Ron, uh, in the little tour van there uh, in Queens one night. Um, right. I've known Danny and Ron a long time, man. They've always been really solid guys, really cool. What what's it like touring with those guys, man? Like, uh, and uh, you know, and and working with them. Yeah, it, it's it's great. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's uh, it's 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 a good team. I think. I think we all um. We all bring something because you know it's not just about the music; it's about like getting along and um, you know just like and having like you know just like having like the you know the the motels and the, the car in good shape and you know like uh, you know food and whatnot and just you know just like all those like I, I call it logistics like the logistics is really yeah, important when it yeah. comes to going on the road Absolutely. and I feel that we all have a part in the logistics of the band to, to keep it going. That That's great. And you actually, you, you just gave me a brilliant segue because talking about um, touring, the road, all that, we, we talk a lot on the on the podcast about tours and the kind of behind the scenes of the underground death metal uh, band on the road. What, I mean, maybe just to start off, like we always ask, what are a couple of things you would recommend somebody bring, like who's never been on a, on a road trip or on a tour before? Like what, you know, what's somebody bring that they might not bring on a road trip? What comes in real handy? Um, 
I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, for me, for me, because I shave my head, it's funny. Uh-huh. Shaving cream, <laughs> shaving cream, and like, and like for me, it's this because like, like, like because I shave my head, I shave my head. Like hot water is like important to me. So like, if there's any like rest stop or or venue that has like really good hot water, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So have like have like have like a towel ready and like have your like toiletries like always ready yes. like always like easy to get to. And I think another thing is that like in your like um in your backpack like have like the put the same stuff in every pocket. So you're not like searching for oh where's my I don't know where's my pen oh, where's my I don't know my keep it solid lighter inventory. or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep everything orderly. Yeah, I, dude, that is yeah. really sound advice. I mean, even if you don't uh, shave your head, like Monty said, just in general, you know, whatever your little hygiene routine is or whatever you feel you got to do for the day, man, sometimes you get to the venue, you know, you want to hop out of the van and be the first guy in the bathroom because there's like a bunch, you know, if you're on one of those tour packages, there's like 20 dudes trying to get in that bathroom as soon yeah, as the exactly. venue opens. You know, whatever you gotta do, you obviously want to do it in the bathrooms before the doors open, and Joe Public is is all rushing in there. You know what I mean? Right. And and I always keep like, I'll have my my big you know backpack with like you know whatever in it, but then I have like one, like one of those little small like drawstring bags that these that like you know at, at, like at, uh, athletes you know you see them a lot or like the college kids have. I have a small one of those okay. that just has like the basics in it. If I gotta run in someone's house and take a shower quick. Or whatever the case oh, is, right. you know what I mean? And like that's you know, like I always said, like take advantage of a shower on the road because you don't know when the next one yeah. might be, you know. So. Would it be exactly. fair, like right, as yeah. a as a fan coming to a show, like could you barter for like some shirts? You got some Q-tips, you know what I mean? Like maybe, you know, <laughs> have money put in the tank. Here's I got I got this uh, this hot bag of water, like you know, <laughs> hot water. That, you know, maybe some clean socks, maybe like do a little transaction or something like that. Is it that important? You know what I mean? A clean, a, a bag, a, a bag of socks or, or or underwear or a fresh pack of you know like white T-shirts or something. I mean, there's points on the road where you would probably trade a CD or a shirt for that, but I wouldn't just offer it up to my favorite touring band out of nowhere. That would be a little weird. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and then with touring too, man. I mean. We don't, uh, you know, we don't ask people to divulge too much or anything. But any any crazy tour stories, man? I mean, uh, you know, you've been around with malignancy, man. Any um, anything weird happen? Anything dangerous? Um, no, I mean just uh, just the usual. I mean, I, I, I think I think for me, when it, when it comes to touring, my, my favorite thing is uh, like the the, the like the the unexpected. It's like a non-metal thing. So I know, like when we did our last European tour. Um, I think it was in February. It was, it was carnival season, so I just remember like in we played in Switzerland in, in Sorsi, and like we, we walked to like the I guess like the, the downtown area, and it was crazy. Like everyone is like dressed up, like it's everyone's in costumes. Like carnival is, is like just like a crazy you know time to party in Europe in general. So kind of like a Mardi yeah, was Mardi yeah, Gras. <laughs> Type of thing? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was yeah, that was crazy. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, man. It sounds like the death metal <laughs> show might have been the, the tamest thing going on that night, man. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what are? I mean, you're you're no, you know, you're obviously from Philly, but you've played around in bands that are New Jersey and New York adjacent. What are some of your favorite venues from uh, from years past, man? Like, were you were you one of the Castle Heights guys or? No, I, I wasn't. I, okay. I, I kind of missed that era. Um, yeah. 
So I, I guess my favorite venue, which I think recently closed down, was the, the Trocadero, which is in, in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, that's yeah. That's where all the back in the days where all the good metal shows. I, I've seen every like good metal show ever there. I mean, I, I, I saw Slayer there, and I was like, you know, like 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 when I saw Slayer there, I retired from moshing. I was like, I'm done with the pit. <laughs> like I, I was I was 22. I'm like, you know, I'm done. Like I'm, I can drink now. I don't need to like. <laughs> Deal with this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It's usually um, about the age. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish right, more people right, right. thought like you. <laughs> Some people, uh, you know, they turn twenty-one and then the pit becomes more dangerous and yeah. wet and wet, right, right, yeah. more wet. <laughs> yeah, the alcohol just amplifies right. everything for some people, man. That's true, man. <laughs> so, uh, I, Monty, you're um, you're obviously an accomplished bass player. I assume that you listen to music other than metal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What are some of your? I mean, that that word influences seems kind of like a contrived word nowadays to ask a musician. But like, what you know, what's some stuff you really jam on and and that really inspires you musically? That's maybe not metal. Right. So so definitely like soul music. As a bass player, mm-hmm. uh, the best bass playing is in soul. Um, like the Soul Stevie Wonder records, uh, Earth Wind and Fire. Um, yes. Just. Just like that was like you know the era you know um, Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about language. I think like, right, because back then it was just, it was like the one, it was like one bass player that did, did everything. Like all the Motown stuff was just one bass player. He did you know he did everything. Yeah. So um, just just I, I guess and, and and right now there's still some it's it's funny because like soul is kind of making a comeback now, mm-hmm. and um, there's you know there's there's good bass playing in, in, in today's soul music. So um, you know, that's that's what I'm digging. Awesome man, yeah. I I have a big passion for soul and R and B music of um, like you know seventies right up until today, pretty much, man. That's that's what I try to listen to a lot when I'm not listening to death metal, man. That's all. That's awesome, man. And you know, obviously, I don't know as much about the bass playing and all that, man. But there's that's that's like a big thing. Is a lot of those old records have like the same uh, um, studio music, same session musicians, the same backing. Band. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times you're hearing a live band on those recordings too. You're just hearing you know guys in a room playing playing. That ends up being the record. Yeah. You know, exactly. You don't hear that much nowadays, man. What's uh, so what's um what's a malignancy rehearsal routine like? What did how often do you guys get to rehearse? So we really just do it before the show. So so usually um, uh, Ronnie will practice with Alex uh-huh. uh, just to like get get some of the kinks out. Just you know, um, and then like once like they're good, then usually like leading up to the show, then me and Danny show up. So we really just go through the, through the set list pretty much. because um, yeah. Alex is so busy, he's a full time musician, so he's got a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, he's very accomplished and he plays in so many bands. Oh, of course, so, yeah. you know, we're kind of on his schedule, basically. So. Yeah, yeah, I've, um, you know, when I was uh, filling in for Pyrexia, they were working with Alex a lot, man, and, you know, I've, uh, when I was, um, uh, not not when I when I toured with them, but the band Pierron that I'm good friends with, uh, they had Alex in the band mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, everybody knows somebody that had Alex playing them for a while, right? Right, exactly, you know, yeah. In the, in the tri-state area, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> what What's the situation now? Is Is it still kind of just Alex and Mike, whoever's around, or? Yeah, it, it's so it's, it's pretty much um, Alex for the for the shows, and then uh, Mike for studio. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, I know um, the anniversary edition of Intruderun was just uh, released, but are you guys working on new mat- like a new album, new material? Because you had the single and the three song EP, uh, and that's that's uh, kind of it for newer material, right? Right. 
yes. So we're um, the the new album is is there's one song remaining uh, that just is a, a just, yeah one last track that uh, Ronnie's working on. So um, once he gets that done, he'll probably send that because Mike's in L.A. So we'll send that to Mike, and then Mike will probably um, you know come just just drum parts with it, and then you know we'll probably record the, all the drum tracks and send it back to us. Okay, and, and then, then then we'll record it here. Well, yeah. So usually, yeah. So Mike will record the drum tracks in L.A., and then he'll send it to, to us, and then we'll record it in New York. Okay, awesome. Is there? Uh, I mean, I don't. You know, I'm not um, pushing, but is there like a time frame for that, or you know, can fans expect that uh, any uh, uh, any estimate yeah, of time? So, so we're hoping like next year. Okay, awesome, man. Any any other plans for the for the band? I mean, I know I asked you if you're touring or if there's any new albums, but uh, anything else going on that we should, that we would want to know about or that you can divulge? Um, we are doing a special birthday show, but I can't I can't tell who it is. <laughs> In All right. December. All right, we'll keep we're, we're going to keep our eyes peeled. Jesus, yeah, because it's a Christmas show. They're doing a Christmas show. He just he worded it very carefully. <laughs> it's a very special birthday show. Oh my God. We just did our Christian. Uh, we were, we just uploaded our Christian metal episode um, last week, man. Relevant joke. Oh, cool, cool. So um, uh, now I also wanted to ask you about something else you were involved in. Uh, the band Krator. Uh, okay. C R A T O R. Um, people uh, might uh, obviously know that because John Longstreth, notable drummer, uh, played on played on that. Now, did you just right. play that Hothfest with them? Yeah, we we, we did one show. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, I, I guess because you know John and Jason both are in Origin, yeah. yeah. So uh, they, they are quite busy with you know with Origin, and also John just uh, joined Hate Eternal. Wow. Yeah. So um, they, they, so it, they're, they're kind of busy, but we we, we do have um, it's it's one of those things where once I guess Jason and and John aren't aren't so busy, we will you know pick up on it again. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's that's actually really good to hear because uh, you know, as as a listener, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on, man. That's awesome, man. And um, yep. uh, so you got malignancy, you got Crater. Is there anything else that you're working on? You ever think about doing like solo work or anything or session work? No, I, I think I'm busy enough. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. Awesome, man. Well. Uh, you know, that being said, man, maybe this would be a good time to transition to um, talking about uh, other music, man. We did ask you if you could prepare uh, an older recommendation and a newer recommendation. doesn't have to necessarily be metal, just, you know, we always like to recommend new music for the listeners to get into. Sure. Okay. Uh, which one, one first? Old one or a new one? Um, guest's choice. You, you, you pick. All right. Okay. So, so for, for, um, for a new one... So uh, there's a band from Sweden called Cult of Luna. Okay. Uh, they put on a new they put out a new album out last week. It's called uh, A Dawn to Fear, and it's uh, really good. Um, they're one of my favorite bands. It's, it's kind of it's like a, it's like a I hate to say like Doom because it's such a generic. I mean, it's such a broad uh, title, but um, it's used very. Frequently it's one of those bands days. that like. I'm sorry. It's used very frequently these days that the Doom. Right, right, right. Um, but they have like really long songs. Uh, it's, it's it's like they have like three guitar players, a keyboardist, bass player. Um, this is a really good band. Um, so their new album came out last week. And uh, for an old release, uh, this is like one of my favorite albums. It's from uh, Fu Manchu, which is uh, they're still around actually. It's a stoner rock band from uh, 
in California, and uh, the album's called In Search Of. Oh, um, man. I was, I was just, hoping you were going to say In Hell on Wheels. Oh, <laughs> that's one of my all-time that's, favorites. That's a, good, that's a good album, too. Um, but this one, I just like. I, I think the guitar tone on this record is just phenomenal. It's just mm-hmm. it's amazing for you know, the mid-90s. Awesome, man. So those are my two uh, my two contributions to your show. <laughs> awesome, man. And now, because you um, uh, because you 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 rang my bell with that R and B soul uh, reference before. Recommend uh, a good R and B or or soul record, man. New or old, whatever, man. Just just recommend something for us in that vein, man. Just just for me. Oh yeah. Um. So the the the, the guy that's here right now, his name is Anderson Pack. Anderson um, Pack. Yeah, I forget the, the name of the album is. It's a, it came out last year, but um, yeah, it's it's a really good record, and the, the bass playing on that is just phenomenal. It's yeah, it's really good bass playing. Very talented musician. Um, I watched a there's a great NPR Tiny Desk okay. concert oh, okay, okay. where he, where uh, Anderson Pack plays drums and sings at the same time and not like Bernard Purdy style where he's going crazy it's like yeah. very controlled you know <laughs> not like King Fowley used to do right yeah or Chris right, right. <laughs> and, and, and I love uh, you know I love Bernard Purdy and everything yeah, but yeah. Anderson Pack, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a what a fucking oh, wow. talent yeah, oh, and that's it's Pack. How, how's it spelled it's just P-A-C P-A-C okay Anderson Pack. Oh, P-A-A-K. Okay. okay. All right, cool, man. Double, yeah, double A, man. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for the recommendation, yeah. Monty. Monty, yep, no problem. thank you so yep. much for your time. We really appreciate you yeah. talking to us and giving us a little behind the scenes on um, you know, on your life and uh, you know, your music and all that, man. And as you said before, that uh, that anniversary edition of Intrauterine Cannibalism, which has both recordings, the older one and the newer one, is available on Severed Records right now. Uh, you, you guys are writing stuff so the fans can, can relax and, uh, and back off a little bit. They just got to wait a little while. Um, and people can, people can expect that special uh, uh, birthday show, which allegedly may or may not be really just a Christmas show. So, you know, we'll <laughs> see what happens, man. Monty, thank you so much, brother. We'll, we'll be talking to you in the future, all right? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we appreciate it. It was, be- uh, it was a great time. Awesome, man. And just anything else you might want to say to the uh, to Malignancy fans or fans of your work? Um... Uh, I don't know. Just uh, keep. I mean, uh, <laughs> keep posting on our Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> keep the social media coming, man. Yeah, I had to put you on the spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good talking to you, Monty. All the best, brother. All right, thanks a lot. Later, okay. man. See you, Bye. man. Awesome talking to Monty there, man. Real nice guy. Uh, really cool to get a little behind the scenes there on some of the bands he's been on and all that, man. And uh, I was really psyched that when he recommended, uh, you know, the um, the old school R and B uh, soul stuff, man, and recommended that that record. What was the guy? Anderson, Anderson Pack. Pack. Okay. Oh, see, man, we said it at the same time, man. Now, here's the hard part. Can either of you guys recommend something that sick for me now? Yeah, I think I can. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
My new recommendation for the evening is a band called Plague Pit. Okay. Uh, this is their EP, Labyrinthian. Um, it's an independent release. Came out September 2019. This is their second release. They had a full length before this called Topheth Ablaze. Super tight playing with really dark parts and intentionally loose, dissonant playing at times. Kind of, uh, not noodly. I wouldn't call this noodly, but very tasteful leads. And um, it's, a, it's a fucking journey, this one. Um, very into their atmosphere. This is the kind of music that uh, accompanies anxiety very well. Huh. Uh, kind of like Portal does, but not as murky. Uh, the members are unknown, so I can't even congratulate them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's like okay, just a few guys, all independent stuff. And I came across this through uh, Imperative PR. Yes. And uh, I got to say, I was really blown away as soon as it kicked off. The whole four songs here, it runs pretty long. There's a couple songs on here that are about nine minutes, but really, really good EP. They, there's a lot, like, there's a lot of atmosphere, but also the, the clarity of the drums and, the, and the, like, the mix is great. Yeah, the mix is fantastic. Yeah, but without sacrificing on that atmosphere and that darkness either. Mm-hmm. getting some Nile vibes. Old Nile. Yeah. This guy's pissed, but he's guttural about it. What uh, what country are they from? I don't know. It's not It's not French. Sp- no, it's not English to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Might not English. be French either. You never know. Uh, yeah, even the... Uh, These the, kids aren't French. They're American. I got a press kit for this mm-hmm. from Imperative, and there's like nothing about them. Okay. These guys are keeping it all hidden. I don't know what country this is from. Um, I don't know how I feel about that sometimes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I but made the comparison before to the sound, like Portal. No one knows mm-hmm. who those guys are, but it, it definitely works with them. Uh, sometimes with a newer band, you're like, uh, what's going yeah, you on here? So need some context. Yeah, exactly. So personally, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. Uh, I'd rather just not weigh in because I'm up yeah. in the air. Uh, but overall, this band, Plague Pit, Pretty cool shit, and I have to dive back into their full length that they put out before this. Uh, I want to. I want to know more. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna keep our eyes peeled and check out more Plague Pit as it comes out. Okay. This is a solid release. Love it. So, uh, uh, my new boy this week uh, is a band called Lotion, uh, and that is uh, L.O.T.I.O.N. Um, stands for Legacy of Terror in Occupied Nations. Right? Uh, this is their, their uh, April 2019 release, World Wide Web, available through Toxic State Records. Um, the band's second release. Uh, this is an industrial punk band out of uh, Brooklyn and Manhattan. 
uh, blending genres of, of dance, rave, and, and hardcore um, with uh, violent, politically fueled lyrics. Um, I like these synth sounds. Very, Harkens back to the well, the, the to, song we're listening to now is is uh, Gabber Punks on Dabs. Yep. And it's very Gabber, breaking back to our break core episode. Exactly. Uh, yeah, man, I, I I found this band from a, a show lineup uh, where they were playing with Agnostic Front and Obituary, and I was like, huh. I, also, I'm just drawn to the to Losha. I just think that's a sensual name. You know, it's, it's just like anything about it. I just love it. So, um, so I checked them out, man. I was like really like intrigued and, and, and surprised with how uh, how much I kind of gravitated towards this. Um, kind of reminds me of this like heavier dirtier like pretty hate machine like kind of mm. sound um so uh so this band is uh is fronted by um by alexander Hare, h-e-i-r he's kind of like the mastermind behind this and uh he also um is a, is a visual artist uh, who uh, who graduated from pratt uh in brooklyn and this this you know accompanied with with this band lotion uh this sort of um they're, they're, you know, on the internet, they're kind of like a, the the lotion um, a multinational corporation, and it's this very like um, like propaganda esque, uh, you know, um, like cyberpunk uh, activist like um, look to to all the merchandise and to all the artwork. Hmm. Uh, Alexander also um, has this co- this clothing brand called uh, Death Slash Traders. And I think it all kind of fits into this, like, to this theme of, of you know, what's being put out. It's it's super punk, uh, super modern. Um, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll try we'll try and throw up some of the imagery on the social media when this episode comes out. But uh, interesting. But yeah, man, this this is like this is st- this is still very, very heavy, crusty punk, just with like, you know, some some synth and some uh, some some rave and some some dance kind of incorporated. Wow. Uh, they actually added. Um, uh, a drummer for this record, uh, drummer Ryan Nadeen, Nadeev. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm saying that correctly, but uh, uh, they they play live with this, and it it, it brings this this very uh, tangible, very real, down to earth hardcore vibe with uh, keeping the same sort of industrial uh, sounds sounds with it. So uh, if you see lotion on a on a flyer or a show near you, man, I definitely uh, encourage you to check it out. Um, I will be. Uh, yeah, this uh, this album's fucking cool, man. World Wide Web. What do you got? Oh boy. I gotta begrudgingly recommend Autistic Opsy. Uh, they have their single, which uh, debuted on uh, Slam Worldwide YouTube channel that we uh, know and love. Uh, the song is called Everybody Pussy. I feel personally attacked. I'm part of everybody, right? But these are my boys from New York City, Staten Island's own uh, Dustin, Mark, and Rob. People might know them from Torturous Inception. Uh, Mark, of course, the original drummer of Torture's Inception, um, did break my foot moshing one night out there in Staten Island. Rude. Yeah. Um, Autistic Opsy. What a band name. 
Um, uh, you know, and this uh, this also, of course, features Duncan Bentley of Volvadinia on uh, on vocals. These guys are slamming. I gotta give it to them, man. Uh, writing amazing music, pulling it off well, solid performances. There's a slam that's in like seven four uh, timing or whatever they do with the with the stringed instruments. You know what I'm saying, man? That's this, music. Yeah, that's music. <laughs> ah, this is my boy Dustin, man. I, no, don't get me wrong. I'm being, I'm busting balls here. I'm being a little sarcastic. I got a lot of love for the three guys uh, recording this music. Uh, Dustin, um, the guitarist from Torturous Inception, man, real comical guy, man. Guy always makes me laugh, man. He's he's a very interesting character. If you know him, man. If you don't, you're gonna love him. Uh, after you listen to this, man. Uh, Autistic Opsy with their uh, EP that's out now, Master of Penis. Yeah, it's a good name. I'm kind of upset that they took that. <laughs> if if I wasn't personal friends with these guys, I would not be recommending this on the podcast. I'm just going to say that with a big period at the end. Yeah, but we're doing it right now. I'm not friends with them, and check it out. Master of Penis. Dude, the music is awesome. <laughs> the music is awesome. Uh, and I know Dustin, so I know why he called the band like this, why he titled it like this, because he just wants to, you know, he, he's, he's a fucking clown. <laughs> my, my only note, really, my only criticism is called band Master Penis. Right? Oh, yeah. God, man. Look, I got all the love for Dustin, man. That guy, cheer, that guy cheers me up sometimes, man. He's a funny dude, man. Tom, what's your oldie boy today? My old boy. We have. So my old one is a classic. And we haven't talked about anything from this band yet. Immolation. Ooh. Here and After. Okay. 1996 on Metal Blade. Flex Away. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking album. (laughs) Yep. This is, it's a serious fucking head trip. Uh, I never really... I, I dove into Dawn of Possession when I was younger, and I liked it. I, I was into it. But this album really turned me into an Immolation fan, like really appreciating what they what they bring to the table even more so. Um, both classic albums, but I think Here and After shows off uh, an imagination mm-hmm. a bit more. Um, you definitely need to listen to it to a few times. It's complicated. It's also very in touch with like a primal ugly emotional energy mm-hmm. um, the only thing that isn't complicated about the album is the vocals Ross Dolan kind of like uses his vocal performance to kind of bring it to earth a bit because the drums are all over the fucking place uh, it's it, it, it's like it reminds me of almost like Baroque classical in the writing <laughs> sense um, with some of the parts it's hard to, like the part we're listening to right now it's the chorus where's the one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like there's head trips. There's like little yeah. extra bits of measures that are like they, they fuck with you. Really and interesting band. Yeah. It's moody. It's groovy. And sometimes that groove just gets ripped out from underneath you. 
really amazing organic uh, mix. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say this this album is mixed at like a ten mm-hmm. for me. Um, no, hold on, I gotta back up. It's mixed at a nine for me. Okay. The one thing I don't like about the mixing on it is that the global compression is a little hot. So sometimes the louder, really big sounding parts sound too small next to the more intricate parts. Um, but that's okay. This is 1996. They're still figuring out how to make death metal sound good. Whatever you just said is about two notches above my pay grade. That's just an even and out of the dynamics. Uh, yeah, really I, is what's all going I, on. yeah, it sounds sounds good to me. I don't know what's hot and what's not up there with the uh, the, the global reach of the dynamics and all that stuff you just said. It's, but it's all good to me. You know, it sounds good to me here on Long Island, elsewhere in the globe. I don't know what it sounds like. It, it overall, it sounds good. Okay. Uh, th- what I just said is very like audio audiophile. Did that make sense, or is he just trying to like sound smart and use big words? Oh no, it makes total sense. Shout out to all the button pushers out there. Okay. Uh, well, all we, right. Yeah. Well, we got. We're talking about dynamics, right? Yeah. And dynamics, you know, they uh, there's more of appreciation as the internet gets bigger and bigger, and we're not there yet. We're in 1996. I'd actually like to do this on an episode with uh, a producer, perhaps. Maybe we can talk to Colin again because okay. he's, he has such a great ear. Maybe we yeah. can do another episode with him where we can talk about like mixes of albums and talk about what compression actually is, because a lot of people use that term. You know, oh, this is over compressed all the time, and it's just like, well, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. All, um, all kidding aside, great idea because I do have to learn about that stuff. I don't, I don't want to get way into that right now yeah. with this yeah. album in particular because this album is great. And 96, it fucking sounds sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Vigna writing style is just fucking unique. You don't hear a lot of guys writing like this. Um, my personal favorites on the album is the first one. The first track is Nailed to Gold. There's something about that. just fucking awesome. And then the other one I is a song Away from God. The writing in this song is really strange to me because it incorporates this certain stop and go, like manic kind of writing. The drums are never really playing the same thing for more than two bars. And then it goes into this beautiful immolation style solo and then into this really somber kind of doom part out of nowhere. They played the same part earlier in the song when they were talking about the aforementioned crazy riffing. Um, but it's cut short, and then they let it breathe at the end of the song. So I just think it's a really beautiful piece. Um, it, 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 honestly, Immolation—they're—they're—they're they're, they're just fucking—they're they're legends, and they deserve the legendary status. Yeah, I would dare to say underrated uh, and underappreciated in this day and age. Although they do get—they do get a lot of respect. Uh, I believe they deserve, uh, you know, their right, rightful spot in the pantheon when uh, people talk about your morbid angels, your suffocations, your deicides, and uh, all those bands. You know, Immolation deserves to be right up there. And in this day and age, um, Immolation, and I would also say Incantation, uh, influencing so much of what comes out nowadays, and I think without some people even realizing it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, great recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Check it out here and after 1996 from Immolation, Metal Blade Records.
So, uh, so yeah, for my classic boy this week, uh, I got a from a second story window. Uh, the 2004 joint, not one word has been omitted uh, from black market activities. Um, from a second story window, a band I forgot about, uh, and you know, probably a lot of people do. I think they are one of the more forgotten bands of that uh, early 2000s weird metal math Corey kind of stuff. Um, definitely spoken in the same sentence as i guess you know early a life once lost um ed gain uh that early etid one of those like um more metalcore botch influence kind of bands i I like to bring up um this record uh was actually self-released in 2003 uh under the name of cassandra complex uh but reissued under black market uh when when they uh picked up picked up this band in 2004 um just a really cool use of uh, of spastic uh, metallic songwriting, um, hardcore tropes in between, huge breakdowns, um, you know, weird sounding chords for the sake of weird sounding chords, and uh, you know that that's sort of um, what grind became in the early 2000s for a lot of these metalcore bands, which was uh, you know just just sporadic and spastic more than a, a you know more than like a napalm sort of grinding sort of thing. And, uh, you know, take a look back at it from the second story window, man. Yeah, good band. I remember um, listening to this band when we were in uh, BioLich, uh, 2004, you said this came out? Yeah. Yeah, when this came out, man, I remember uh, somebody burned this for me and uh, having this, man. Good album. Very, like, for these kind of, like, like whatever you want to call this, the metal core where they integrate certain metal parts and grind elements, man, there's a lot of kind of, like, darkness to this album. Yes, yeah. there's, there's a more evil sort of, like, cloud over this band than, than a yeah. lot of the others uh, in the same ilk. You get this raw in this breakdown right here. It's just, yeah. It's like, no, it's disgusting. Good band. Yeah, Will, what did you bring in tonight? Uh, I didn't get this from the gym, but I am going to flex on you guys. Whoa, Whoa. I got the Squash Bowels, something nice 7-inch EP. Uh, Specifically, I actually have number 959 out of 1,000 hand-numbered limited edition green transparent final copies that were made. Well, look at that flex. (laughs) Oh, I pulled a muscle on that flex. Yeah, from 1996, released by Obliteration Records from Japan. Great label. Um, this is Squash Bowels in their uh, their golden era, uh, as I like to say, man. Um, obviously, a band that's put out a lot of albums, a lot of material over the years. They've kind of rose to prominence over the 2000s to now and uh, gained a little bit more um, of a following, which is great. Never lost it as far as I'm concerned, man. I got all the respect for Squash Bowels. Uh, however, I do prefer them from this era. Um, there's this EP, they put out the, uh, the famous split with Malignant Tumor that everybody loves, man, and, um, this recording in particular, these, or maybe it's just these songs and it's different versions of these songs ended up on a tape, uh, kind of a live tape that uh, a friend of mine had back in the day, so I don't know if that was a bootleg or if there was, 
uh, so, something going on, man. But these guys recorded a bunch of songs back in the days in the uh, mid-90s that came out around 96 uh, that were just great, man. It's a little bit more gore grind than they ended up becoming later on. Uh, they kind of took a turn for the more straightforward grind. No, Not as much pitch shifter vocals. Uh, stuff not as much gore going they, on. They get a lot of hate because uh, they, they kind of like stepped out for a while. And then th- there was that album Grind Virus they put out. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people didn't like. I happen to like it a lot because yeah. it was a departure from the gore grind thing and more just like kind of more napalm inspired, inspired shit. Yeah. I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, they even going back, I, th- I think it might have been their first full length was uh, that was Tenerable or however you pronounce it. I mean, pretty straightforward grindcore with some electronic intros and outros. There wasn't much gore grind to be had on that album, as great of an album as it was. There always have been squash battles that kind of flirted between the gore grind and the straightforward grindcore to me, because as gore grind as this record that we're even talking about uh, is something nice, they had a lot of more political and social commentary type of uh, song titles, at least. I don't know if they even had lyrics, but... um. Uh, you know, it, it, they they they, but then you have this disgusting real gore picture on the front cover, man. You know, and there's even like, if you look inside this black and white, um, not photocopy, black and white glossy printed uh, cover, which was probably a little more expensive back then. Um, there's like a band photo of them just chilling there in, in the barn or whatever, and all these fucking real gore pictures cut around it. So. I think there was a thing back in the 90s where bands weren't as clear-cut gore grind. It was, you liked grindcore, you liked death metal, some bands used gore, you might write a song about a political issue that was important oh, to you. I, I, I think the idea of gore grind was an afterthought. Yeah. The, the shock yeah. value came first. I mean, look at, like, the classic Discharge, Hear yep. Nothing. Yep. That, that whole, that album just had gross shit on it. They're crust punk, you know, so it's like yeah. interchangeable entirely. You know? Same thing like uh, the band Excruciating Terror uh, using pictures of, uh, you know, different scenes of, uh, of horror. We'll just leave it at that. Um, but maybe with more of a political, you know, we, we got into this on our episode where we talked about the real gore, how a lot of it is political in nature. Um, and then maybe over the years it just got boiled down to gore grind bands that just use gore for shock value. So uh, maybe a conversation for a different night. But yeah, Squash Bow is definitely teetering that line between your more traditional political and social go- uh, grind core and your gore grind um, from the go. But th- getting back into why I like this particular recording, um, noisy, raw, low end. The bass has like a milky quality to it, if that makes sense when you hear it, man. Uh, there are occasional pitch shifter vocal parts that are more of like a background vocal or a guest vocal, uh, and the, the lead vocals are more of like a gruff roar with an accented by a scream, so there's some variety in the vocals. This is just your classic 90s gore grind grindcore recording, man. Um, not, not quite as extreme and over the top as Dead Infection, uh, not, not quite as catchy maybe as Regurgitate. Uh, not as not as groundbreaking and ear candy as Lace Days of Humanity, but Squash Bowls themselves just had this real great clunky, uh, soupy quality to their music uh, when they first started out that I loved. And I still am a big fan of them uh, through the years as they tightened up the production and reined it in a little bit, man. But you really got to get into this old Squash Bowl. So I would recommend this Something Nice EP and the split with uh, Malignant Tumor that they did back in the days for starters, man. And of course, anything live that you could find. So, and Obliteration Records, you can't go wrong, especially from the 90s, man.
<laughs> Gargle every day. That's right. That's your hygiene tip from Squash Bowels. Um, and we got a few good hygiene tips from uh, Monty Mukherjee about uh, when you're on the road, man. You gotta have that t- that uh, your, your shower bag, your little toiletries, man. Yeah, you get right in there and get you know when you got the hot water or the shower, whatever you got. You might not have it tomorrow where you're gonna be. You Keep know? your head clean. Yeah, man. Thank you to Monty for sharing that and for sharing all of his behind the scenes lore, talking about his gear. Uh, growing up and, and learning instruments, uh, talking about malignancy and mortal decay and poltergeist, man. We really appreciate him sharing his time with us, man. That was great to talk to him. Nice guy, man. Uh, been wanting to have him on the show for a while. Um, also, didn't realize, although I should have, him being a great bass player, he was a lover of soul and R&B music, as am I. You guys could actually, actually, I don't even know if you guys realize this. You're not on Facebook. You're, you're too young for that. I'm, I'm more towards that old, old Facebook. Generation. <laughs> is that where it's at now? Yeah, yeah it kind of uh, is. That's like- uh, I'm on Facebook with all the 90s death metal guys. It's great. Shout out to Frank Rini and Joe Gordon and all them. Uh, I got a new Facebook page. It's called Death Metal Will Shares Smooth Jams. Fact. And I'm sharing all my favorite soul and R&B and hip-hop music, man. Not griping about politics or any of that stuff. It's just a chill-out page. So, Well, I don't want the Zuck to have my information, but I endorse this project. I Zuck. like that you're doing it. <laughs> the Zuck's got your shit either way, brother. <laughs> it's 2019. We're all going down. I know. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, Will. I try. All right, listen. I'm not going to start talking about Atlantis. I said it before. Okay, I got a lot of a lot of conspiracies up in this head of mine. Don't let your memes be dreams, guys. Oh boy. <laughs> now, yes. One thing that Monty told us uh, when he was leaving was he wanted the fans, the malignancy listeners, everybody, the supporters, get those Instagram likes up, get those Facebook likes, get get all that stuff up, man. If people wanted to check us out. They could do that on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, right? We're, we're on all those platforms. We are as yeah. Heavy Hole Podcast. Yeah, and by the way, just in case somebody, um, you've just been listening on whatever platform you're listening on, you don't follow us on Instagram, uh, you don't see the uh, the Fireside FM, whatever's the story, we have customized art uh, nearly every week made by Justin that you should definitely check out. It's always on the Instagram, it's, uh, it's on other platforms. I just don't know if everybody gets a chance to see that, however, they choose to listen to the podcast weekly. Yeah, you it's guys worth checking it. out. Yeah, it's worth yeah, checking out. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. It's so check stuff. that out, man. You know, I just, yeah, just wanted to, just wanted to plug that art oh, real thanks, quick. Will, man. Yeah, of course, you man. Look at things with your eyes sometimes. Yeah, bro. It's not just for the ears, we're for the eyes too, bro. Um, exactly. And yeah, uh, uh, if. You wanted to uh, call us uh, and give us something for our ears. Uh, what would that number be? That number is 631-837-3274. What if Justin wanted to call? What would the number be? <laughs> Tom, yeah, Tom, listen. <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention when you said that. I was driving my car in traffic. Or the kids, they need to be fed. You have kids? Or, <laughs> or I was just creating a dank meme to put on my Facebook page. <laughs> Hell yeah. What yeah. is the name in numbers of the phone? Whoa, the name in numbers. The, la- the name in numbers you want to call is 631-837-3274. This guy doesn't even know if he's got kids. He just, This guy's all messed up over here, man. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> None that he acknowledges. You know Landlines I mean? only. Oh, boy. What do you think this is? All right, so call us up on the landline, man. Let us know what's going on. If you got suggestions, if you got complaints, if we left something out of an episode, uh, whatever you got for us, let us know, man. Especially if you're drunk or allegedly under some sort of influence, leave us that long message, all right? Operator standing by. <laughs> yeah, man. Smooth operator standing by. Right? All right, so uh, that's it. That's it. Heavy Hole Podcast. Big shout to Monty from Malignancy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you got to check out that uh, Malignancy <clears throat> Intrauterine Cannibalism 
uh, re-recording uh, reissue that just came out on Severed Records with both recordings of the album, the modern one and the classic one, man. Uh, and be on the lookout for whatever Malignancy's doing and whatever Monty's doing, all right? Yeah. And, and look out for us, Heavy Hole Podcast. I just want to say shout out to Sade. I miss you. Oh, don't get me started on Sade, bro. I miss you so much. All right, oh, one. Oh, one. Oh, Sade. <laughs> Oh, boy.